Hi everyone, my name is Hannah, and our scripture reading today comes from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. This is the reading of God's word. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked the Lord, How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Well, again, happy Sunday, everyone. Uh, it's always a privilege to be able to deliver God's word for us. Uh, if you're new or visiting for the first time, we are currently in a series on the Lord's Prayer, and we've been working through this prayer phrase by phrase, and today we're looking at one of the most difficult lines in this prayer. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We're talking about forgiveness, uh, which I think is very fitting in light of Valentine's Day today. And so uh, if you're in a fight right now with your significant other, uh, hopefully this sermon will help you salvage the rest of this day. Uh, but with that, uh, let's jump right in. You know, uh, everyone says there are no guarantees in life but I beg to differ. There actually is one guarantee. It's that somewhere along the line, at some point, you will hurt someone and someone will hurt you. It's a fact of life. Every single day, we encounter situations with our friends, our family members, our coworkers, with complete strangers who say or do something to us that will require us to make a very painful choice to forgive or not to forgive. You know, it's been less than two years since I stepped into my role as the lead pastor here at Citizens, and I can tell you that if there is one topic that comes up more than any other topic, it's this topic of forgiveness. Unresolved hurt and pain, relational conflict, childhood wounds, bitterness and resentment that we've been carrying around for years and don't even realize it. And so it makes sense that Jesus includes this phrase in this model for prayer he gives his disciples in Matthew 6 because he wants us to be reminded every day that forgiveness is at the heart of what it means to follow him. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And this language of debt and debtor is very common when forgiveness is described in the Bible because that's what it often feels like when someone wrongs us, right? It feels like they're racking up debt that they're gonna to have to pay back at some point. 
You know, I know that many of us tuning in have ledgers with our spouse or our siblings or our friends that go back years and they don't even know we're keeping track. And we've all experienced this. You know, you're fighting about something that happened last night and then the other person out of nowhere brings up an incident that happened in 2011. And you're like, where did that even come from? Like, were you holding that in for the past 10 years? And it's that debt that's been accumulating for years and now you're coming back to collect. And this is human nature. When someone wrongs you, you get them back. What goes around comes around, right? This is why we love revenge movies, because we love watching people get what they deserve and then some. I mean, let's be honest, this is what cancel culture is. It's not enough anymore for someone to just say sorry. We want that person to be outcasted from society forever. We want that person to be fired from their job. We want that person to be blacklisted. We want that person to lose everything. And so when Jesus asks us to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, he's asking us to pray something that runs so contrary to who we are as people. Now, the first part of that phrase, forgive us our debts, I mean, that's not too bad. You know, we, we can get behind that. We love being the recipients of God's forgiveness. But the part that we probably don't like as much is that second part as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts according to the way we forgive others, in the same way we forgive others. And in case you're thinking, well, that can't be what Jesus means, he actually makes it a point to reiterate this two verses later. Listen to what he says in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. It says, If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I mean, sounds pretty clear to me. I mean, I don't know how else you can read that except that there's something about God's forgiveness of me that's directly tied to my ability to forgive others. And hopefully our text today is going to help us understand what this connection might be. Now, this passage we're looking at in Matthew 18 is one of the most important passages on forgiveness in all of the Bible that pretty much illustrates exactly what Jesus seems to be implying with the phrase, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, the scene opens with Peter being Peter, and he asks Jesus this question, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Peter thinks that's a lot. I mean, let's be honest, for most of us, forgiving someone even twice for the same thing is too much. And so you can imagine Peter is pretty proud of himself when he says this. He's saying, I mean, seven times should be good enough, right? I mean, that's, that's a lot. And to that, Jesus responds in very typical Jesus fashion. He says, not seven times, but 77 times. Right? And it's basically Jesus' trolley way of saying, forever. you got to forgive forever. And it's here that Jesus starts telling this famous story about a man who owes his boss 10,000 bags of gold. In other versions, that phrase is translated 10,000 talents. 
Um, now, if you have a study Bible, you'll probably notice a footnote there that tells you that in Greek culture at the time, a talent was worth about 20 years of labor. Okay, so to say that a man owed 10,000 talents, you were basically saying he owed 200,000 years worth of labor. So it's basically Jesus' way of saying a gazillion dollars. Okay, it's an amount that would be impossible for a human being to repay. Well, the servant gets on his knees and begs the king saying, be patient with me, I'll pay back everything in full. Uh, which is kind of funny because, I mean, how is he even going to pay back 200,000 years worth of labor? But even so, it says the king had compassion on him and cancels his debt. Now, most of us would love it if the story ended there. You know, you have this king showing unthinkable generosity toward this man by wiping his slate clean, forgiving him of all his debts. I mean, it's the gospel, right? What more is there to say? But Jesus isn't done with the story. And what happens next is pretty shocking because this man, who just a moment ago had his mortgage paid off, had all his credit cards paid off, all his student loan debt completely forgiven, walks out onto the street, runs into a guy who apparently owed him a hundred denarii, okay, which is about three months worth of wages. And I love the detail here. It says he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Okay, he's just had 200,000 years worth of debt canceled and here he is now choking a guy out because he owes him three months wages. Well, this guy uh, somehow gets out of the chokehold and gets on his knees and starts begging for mercy. And he uses the same exact words uh, this man used with his master just moments ago. He says, be patient with me, I'll pay it back. Well, we know what happens next. The man denies his request and has this poor guy thrown into prison. Now, this is where Jesus is so genius in the way he tells this story. Notice a small detail in verse 30. It says, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. He had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. How are you going to make money while you're in prison? And you can't. You see, this man actually had a debt he could have repaid. You know, three months is a lot, but it's not astronomical. That's just a little intermittent fasting, some Trader Joe's frozen food, and, and you're good to go. But you see, by throwing this man into prison, he actually makes it impossible for the man to pay him back. And isn't this what we all do when somebody wrongs us? It's not enough for them to say sorry. We want to hold them hostage. We create a situation where it's impossible for them to make up for what they've done. We keep them in prison. It's not even about us getting something back anymore. It's about making the other person suffer. And this is what's happening here. And so when the master sees what his servant has done, he calls him in and he says, I can't believe you just did that after what I did for you. And he throws him into prison and has him tortured. Okay, pretty sad turn of events. And if the story isn't depressing enough, Jesus adds this very ominous line at the very end. He says, And this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. He's saying you cannot know the forgiveness of the Father if you do not forgive others. 
Now, if you're taking notes, let me just tease out three quick points about forgiveness that I think we get from this passage. Okay, number one, what is forgiveness? Number two, why do we forgive? And number three, how do we forgive? Okay, what is it? Why do we do it? And how do we do it? First, what is forgiveness? And I think it might be easier to explain what forgiveness is by first speaking to what it's not. And I think the church has really messed this one up and messed a lot of people up in the process. You know, so many times forgiveness has been explained to us as simply forgetting or just letting something go. You know, I can't think of how many stories I've heard of people who've been told to walk back into toxic, abusive relationships because they just need to forgive and forget. They just need to let it go because that's what Jesus would have done. And that couldn't be further from the truth. If you read the verses right before this passage, Jesus is talking about how to deal with people who've wronged you. And he doesn't say just forget about it and let it go. No, he says you go talk to them directly. And if they don't listen, you bring another person. And if they still don't want to listen, you bring the entire church into it. There is no condoning it. There's no taking one for the team. Jesus says you address it head on. And depending on the other person's response, you create the necessary boundaries to protect you from staying in a toxic situation. You see, when Jesus talks about forgiveness, he's never talking about simply brushing something under the rug or being a doormat. You know, and I think when we encourage people to forgive like this, it not only brings enormous shame to those people who can't just let it go, but it also minimizes the pain done to that person. You see, we live in a culture where we always want quick fixes to everything. We love to say, you know what, it's fine, it's not a big deal, maybe I just need to suck it up, only to watch that bitterness and resentment fester in us and then show up later on in life. We have to understand that forgiveness takes time. It's a process. And I just wanna say this, if you are the person who has hurt or offended someone else, the worst thing you can do is demand forgiveness or guilt that person into forgiving you in the name of doing the right thing. That is a cheap forgiveness and certainly not the kind of forgiveness we see in the gospel. Okay? Now, the second thing forgiveness is not is reconciliation. We often get the two mixed up. You know, pastors have often told us forgiveness is reconciliation and, and we assume that to forgive someone means we automatically have to go back to the way things were. That we have to welcome everyone who has ever wronged us back into our lives and most of us know that just isn't always possible or even safe. And, and while as believers, uh, we should always long to see relationships and communities restored, the bottom line is you cannot force someone to reconcile with you. Reconciliation takes two. It takes both parties actively working for the good of the other person and the good of the relationship, and that's something we as individuals can't always control. But this is why Jesus says in verse 35, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Forgiveness is something that happens within you. It's a conscious choice you make as an individual in your heart not to demand payment for something someone has said or done to you. Okay, so forgiveness is not forgetting. 
Forgiveness is not reconciliation. And finally, forgiveness is not a denial of justice. Okay, to forgive someone does not mean that that person is no longer responsible for his or her actions. You have to remember that. We can forgive and still seek justice for wrongdoing. The two are not mutually exclusive. In fact, anyone who's been forgiven and doesn't assume it will have consequences or require something from him or her probably doesn't even understand forgiveness to begin with. Remember, forgiveness is a changing of our heart attitude toward the offender, not an excusing or a condoning of his or her actions. You know, we all remember the story of Dylan Roof, the white supremacist who walked into a church in Charleston, South Carolina six years ago and murdered nine worshipers. And one of the most powerful moments of Dylan Roof's trial was when one of the victim's daughters, Nadine Collier, stood up to face her mother's killer and her words still give me chills to this day. With tears in her eyes, she said this, You took something very precious from me. I will never talk to her again. I will never, ever hold her again. But I forgive you. I forgive you. She wasn't excusing what he had done. She wasn't overlooking the pain he'd caused her and her family, but in that moment, she was choosing to surrender her need for vengeance and retaliation. And there is no greater illustration of this intersection between justice and mercy than the cross of Jesus Christ, where the God of the universe, the spotless lamb, didn't just cancel our debt, but absorbed it and paid for it in full as though he had incurred it himself. You see, you and I carry a debt that is so massive that we could never repay it even if we tried. There is no amount of good we could do to possibly make up for all the ways we have failed to live up to God's standards. And because of that, all of us are justly deserving of God's wrath. But rather than pour out His wrath on us, the Father poured out His wrath on His beloved Son so that you and I might have our slates wiped clean. You see, our forgiveness did not come without a cost. Justice still needed to be served, but rather than make us pay, Jesus paid on our behalf. So what is forgiveness? It's not forgetting. It's not reconciliation. It's not a denial of justice. It's a conscious choice to change our heart posture toward those who have wronged us. And it's an act of surrender that releases our need for vengeance and retaliation. Okay, uh, number two, and I'll get through these a lot faster. Why do we forgive? You know, we all know the famous saying that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And we all understand this. You know, uh, forgiveness is painful, yes, but unforgiveness, if we're honest, is just as painful, if not more painful. We all know that holding on to bitterness and resentment toward another person can devour us from the inside out. And sometimes the ones affected the most aren't even the ones who cause the pain. This is what they mean when they say hurt people hurt people. When we choose the path of unforgiveness, we allow that unresolved pain to gain a foothold in our lives. And over time, we will see that pain begin to leak out in our homes, in our workplaces, and in all of our relationships. 
You know, this week I've been reading commentary after commentary, trying to get to the bottom of what Jesus means when he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What is this connection Jesus is making between God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others? What is Jesus trying to show us with this story about this man who's forgiven of all his debts and then somehow still ends up in jail because he can't forgive another person? And I think what Jesus is trying to say is this. You can be forgiven and still be a prisoner. You can be forgiven and still deprive yourself of the freedom that forgiveness offers. You see, the entire Gospel of Matthew is Jesus inaugurating this kingdom from heaven. And it's clear from the start that Jesus is not just talking about a place you go after you die. You've heard me say it over and over again. The goal of the Christian life is not to get to heaven. It's to get heaven into you. And when we choose the path of unforgiveness, we're choosing to live not in the kingdom of heaven, but in a kingdom that says if someone wrongs you, you make them pay. It's a kingdom that leads to death and destruction. But when we choose the path of forgiveness, we not only get to experience the fullness of heaven here and now, but we invite others to participate in that reality as well. So now we've gone through what forgiveness is, why we forgive, and finally, how do we forgive? How do we do it? How do we do this thing that's so hard to do? You know, I think especially for those of us who've experienced deep trauma, or those of us who've been harboring resentment towards someone for years, I know this can feel impossible. And again, I can't stress enough how important it is not to rush the process of forgiveness, but to understand that forgiveness is a journey that's gonna require time, it's gonna require community, maybe even therapy, and most importantly, the Holy Spirit. But one of the things I do wanna point out in this story, and I mentioned it briefly earlier, is that this man actually thinks he can repay the king what he owes him. He says, be patient with me, I will pay it all back. Like He thinks he's somehow going to pay back 200,000 years worth of wages. And what this shows you is that this man truly doesn't understand the extent of the forgiveness he's received because he still can't grasp the amount of debt he's incurred, which is why it's so easy for him to turn around and withhold forgiveness from his fellow servant. And I think in the same way, you and I can only learn how to forgive others when we truly understand the depth of God's forgiveness toward us. The reason we rehearse the gospel every single week is to remind ourselves regularly of our utter inability to pull ourselves out of the debt we've incurred and to allow the story of Jesus' death and resurrection to transform our way of life. You see, forgiveness is always connected to death. There is always a dying to ourselves that occurs when we forgive someone, a dying to our need to be right, a dying to our need to get even, a dying to our need to make someone pay, and I get it, that death is so painful. But the good news of the gospel is that with death always comes resurrection. 
that as painful as death can be, we can be assured that there is always new life waiting for us on the other side because Jesus rose again. Look, both forgiveness and unforgiveness suck. They're both really hard. But one road leads to more death and one road leads to life. Which road will you choose today? You know, this week uh, was so hard as an Asian American living in this country. It was so hard to be confronted again with the reality that as much as our parents and grandparents sacrificed for us to be here and to give us a life they never had, that we're still outsiders. And I'm sure many of you have seen this statistic floating around, but since the start of this pandemic, Asians have seen an an almost 2,000% increase in hate crimes in America. 2,000%. It's staggering. You know, I think about Visha Ratanapakti, just one of the many who have lost their lives to such senseless violence. And if you've been on social media this past week, you've seen the collective anger and pain of our community reach a breaking point. And I think it's because we know it could have been any of our parents or grandparents. And so you can imagine how hard it was for me to prepare a message on forgiveness when, frankly, forgiveness was the last thing on my mind this past week. But I want to speak especially to those of us tuning in today who identify as Asian or as a person of color because I really believe God wanted us to hear this message today. Not so that we forget or ignore or condone anything that's happened, but so that we as people saved by grace can be reminded again of the scandalous nature of God's forgiveness toward us. Understanding that it's only in remembering our own story of forgiveness that we can begin to move toward mercy and healing rather than rage and resentment. Yes, forgiveness will always come at a cost, but it's a cost that can break this tragic cycle of death and enact the life of heaven here and now. And so this morning, may we all embrace the hope of freedom offered to us in the resurrection as we ask God to forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Uh, You know, before we close with the Lord's Prayer, as we always do, uh, I want to give all of you a moment, wherever you are, to ask yourself, who do you need to forgive today? Is it a parent? Is it a friend? An ex-friend? Yourself? Whoever it is, I want us to bring all of our lingering bitterness, all of our hurt, and all of our pain to God. And I want to just give us a few moments to ask the Holy Spirit to help us begin the process of forgiving those who've wronged us. So let's take a moment to do that. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory 
forever and ever. Amen.